This is the father-daughter book club and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a book club between a father and a daughter and guess what? It's also a podcast. I'm the father half of the book club, Chris. And I'm the daughter half of the book club, Kalia. And in each episode, we like to share with you a book that we've recently read, typically in the young adult or children's genres. Today, we want to bring you what's become a literary classic. And it's actually a movie and a TV show series. And it's garnered quite the reputation. It's called The Bad Beginning by Lemony Snicket. And it's the first book in the... A series of unfortunate events. And before we start getting into the book and talking about it, we have to warn you, there will be spoilers. There's always going to be spoilers because we usually talk about the whole entire book or a portion of the book in this podcast. So if you haven't read the book yet and you want to read it before listening, you don't have to, of course, if you just want to listen to us talk about the book and you don't mind learning about the plot and what happens, go ahead and keep listening. But if you want to read it first, press pause now, and then when you're done, come back and join us. We won't go anywhere. So this book, as we already said, is by Lemony Snicket or Daniel Handler, which is his actual name, Lemony Snicket. And this book was actually illustrated by Brett Helquist, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Sorry. I pronounced it wrong. And it was published September 30th, 1999. So it was, it's a fairly older book. By your standards. By my standards, it's actually still pretty new. By my standards, new is 2010. Right. (laughs) Right. So it does come from the last century. So I guess that that qualifies it as old. Um, It has a very, very interesting synopsis. It's, I quite myself don't understand this but i think it's a really good book anyway okay so i'll go ahead and read the synopsis for you this is the synopsis can be found on the back of the book yes and it says dear reader i'm sorry to say that the book you're holding in your hands is extremely unpleasant it tells an unhappy tale about three very unlucky children even though they are charming and clever the baudelaire siblings lead lives filled with misery and woe In the very first page of this book, when the children are at the beach and receive terrible news, continuing on through the entire story, disaster lurks at their heels. One might say they are magnets of misfortune. In this short book alone, the three youngsters encounter a greedy and repulsive villain, itchy clothing, a disastrous fire, a plot to steal their fortune, and cold porridge for breakfast. It is my sad duty to write down these unpleasant tales, but there is nothing stopping you from putting this book down at once and reading something happy, if you prefer that sort of thing. With all due respect, Lemony Snicket. So, obviously this book isn't going to be very happy, but to me it's very interesting because I don't exactly know. Is this real, or is it just his imagination? It's very, very interesting to me. Well, it's clearly fiction, but the book is narrated by Lemony Snicket. Yeah. Who is also the author of the book. As we've discussed, it's just a pen name for Daniel Handler, but it's told from Lemony Snicket's perspective. He kind of acts as um, a guide, so to speak, of the book. And so in this synopsis, he he does something very unusual, which is actually encourage you to not read it. Like normally a synopsis, they try to get you interested, right? They try to 
bring some intrigue and make you want to read the book. But this one, he says outright, hey, if you don't want to read something sad, don't read this book. Go get something else. I thought that was extremely funny. It also says that in the very first page of the book, too. Yeah, so he, he does this constantly, right? He's He's trying to warn you that, hey, something weird is going to happen or something f- f- sad is going to happen. And if you don't like that sort of thing, this might not be the book for you. I think this book qualifies as what, what I'd call a dark comedy. Really? You ever heard of, heard of that, that genre I have, before? I have, but I don't really consider this dark. Well, actually, kind of. But I just consider this sad, not dark. Well, sad and dark is kind of the same thing. Uh, and it's told in a humorous manner, which is where the comedy comes in. Like, it's very sarcastic. It's very, um, it, it, it tries to find humor in moments of tragedy. So it's, it's dark in that respect. And uh, as the, the, the synopsis mentioned, it's about the Baudelaire children. Whose names are Violet, Klaus, and Sonny. And Violet, Violet the eldest, mm-hmm. Klaus about 12 years old, Sonny just a tiny little baby. That's right. And uh, it mentions that, you know, there's a tragedy at the, in the synopsis. And the tragedy that happened, it's very important to the the whole situation the yeah it kind of kicks the whole story off at the very beginning of the book the children are on like a day excursion they go to the beach just to kind of uh you know skip rocks and read and to just hang out and they get the news that while they're at the beach their parents and unfortunately their home have perished in a fire and the person who told them this was mr poe who coughs a lot Mr. Poe, yeah, he seems like he's not necessarily a family friend, I wouldn't want to say, but a family associate, maybe a family acquaintance. Yeah. Someone that his that their parents knew and potentially worked with, maybe their business partners or something like that. So Mr. Poe finds them at the beach and tells them the bad news and says that um they're gonna the children are gonna have to stay with him until he can find a suitable caretaker for them. Yes. And according to the the will of their parents, he has to find someone who lives in the city who's related to them that can take care of them. But, uh, you know, before we get talking about that whole situation, you did have a question about the children. Yes. Right. So what was that question? It was, how does Violet and Klaus understand what Sonny is saying? Because Sonny is a very nonverbal person because... What she really says is just like, Bleh! and aha. She's like, not nonverbal, but she's a baby. So she speaks in baby talk. Yes. But my question is, how does Violet and Klaus understand what she is saying? Because they can basically translate and figure out what she is trying to say by just phrases and basically gibberish. So you don't have any siblings of your own. So you wouldn't have experienced this. But it's something that. I think parents experience too. So when you're dealing with a child who can't speak fully yet, as a parent, you start to understand what the baby talk and the gibberish actually means. So uh, you might understand that. uh, But I have a baby cousin. But do you spend every day with him? No. So that's the challenge, right? So if you spend every single day around a baby, you start being able to communicate with them because they are trying to tell you something like, uh, you know, my diaper is dirty. Something I, simple like that, right? I went, I made a boom boom. Yeah. 
So you start to pick up on the little phrases and what that means. Like, of course, it's it's something that you pick up. It's something that you acquire along the way, right? It takes time and you have to spend a lot of time with the kid. So that's my guess is that Sonny and, excuse me, Klaus and Violet, they spend a lot of time with their baby sister. And so they've learned to pick up what the gibberish means. And that's the funny thing about this book is that their translations are probably not exactly accurate exactly precise but it's their translation it's what they think she's saying and it's and it's close enough and it it's probably yeah. what she means just not exact yeah and i think an, another reason why they illustrate this in the book is to show you just how bright violet and klaus are yeah right because they, we get the sense that they're pretty remarkable children violet is an inventor klaus and, loves to read he's very intelligent yeah sunny just really likes to bite things. Yeah, she's still a baby, so. But he's he's kind of painting this picture that these are uh, really smart kids, and so smart that they have the ability to understand what their baby sister is saying. So I think that's that's kind of what he's doing there. Who do you feel you basically resemble the most? I guess in a way. That's a good question. I don't know if I actually resemble any of the children. Like, are you um, a mixture? or i don't think i'm also well, kind of a mix right so violet seems to be the responsible one and that's natural because she's the oldest and so i probably share a little bit of that with her but then klaus loves to read and i don't think i read nearly as much as klaus does but i do love to read so if anything it would be those the uh, more more klaus with a little bit of violet yeah because but violet you know she's got this invention inventor's mind and I, i'm i don't know how to invent anything so that's i feel that's the same with me too yeah, you felt the same way, right? Well, it makes sense. We have our little book club here, so Klaus would, would fit right in in our book club, right? Like, when I was first thinking of this, I was thinking mostly Klaus, but I also feel a bit sunny, too, because people don't understand me. Like, people can't read me. And I'm kind of just, like, this person who people are very curious, I guess. And sometimes I do... I don't really like to bite hard things, but I feel like people misinterpret me all the time. So I guess because everyone misinterprets the children, I guess I'm a blend of all of them in one. Who do you think misinterprets the children that you just said right now? Mr. Poe. And how does he do that? Well, he doesn't really seem to take their word or he doesn't really consider what they're trying to say to him. And... He feels, it seems to me, like he is just going with what the adults say and not actually listening to what they're trying to say. And he kind of might think that he's, that they are dumb. Kind I of think, seems well, like I, it, it, it reminds me of how children are constantly disregarded. Yeah. Their opinions don't, you know, their opinions don't matter what they say. They're probably just exaggerating or lying about something. Like, people don't take kids seriously. A lot of the time and I think that's what happens with Mr. Poe is that when the kids talk to him he just kind of discards what they say because they're they're just kids mm-hmm. even though as we've discussed these are particularly bright kids and even if they weren't you you still have to try and you have to give credence to what kids say you can't just ignore it yeah um, after the kid we mentioned before that after the kids uh, become orphans basically Mr. Poe is charged with finding them a a suitable caretaker 
and he finds some distant cousin of theirs named Count Olaf for them to live with. He's a villainous person. And he takes them over to Count Olaf's house, and Count Olaf's house looks like some medieval, like, just, oh, what, what is this you're putting your hand up? Um, I want you to say something, though. Before that, act- they actually meet Count Olaf, they see Justice Strauss, a really nice lady, lives in a really nice house, and she, they, children actually kind of go to her when they're having problems with Count Olaf. Because she, well, because the children know that she's a really nice lady. And that- so you're telling me to slow down, but you're skipping way ahead. So, right, they do meet just uh, Justice Strauss, but Justice Strauss is Count Olaf's neighbor. Yes. And that's how they meet her, um, because she happens to be outside when, when they go to Count Olaf's for the first time. So they get introduced to her first. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, when they finally do go over to Count Olaf's, like I said, it looks like this dark dungeon, dingy, like... like Scary. Like his name is Haunted Count, House. Count Olaf. And yeah, it seems like like kind of a vampire or Drac- you know, like Dracula's place, right? And it's got this large, uh, tall tower that they know is off limits. I mean, the whole place is a wreck. It's, it doesn't feel like a home, right? It just feels like almost a dungeon. And... Uh, we we learn that Count Olaf is not a suitable caretaker. He's quite the opposite, in fact. He doesn't provide a comfortable living space for the kids. He just, like, puts them up in a room and gives them, like, one bed and a, a pile hammock. of... A hammock. Oh, it's a hammock and a pile of rocks to play with, right? When mm-hmm. um, when it's time to eat, he, he doesn't really feed them. He, he gives them all these difficult chores, things to do around the house. He doesn't even stay home most of the day. He just writes down their list of chores for the for the day in the morning and then leaves them to their own devices for the rest of the day. So, right. I mean, in, in this situation, they, the kids end up turning to Justice Strauss, who they know is just across the street and has offered to... to let let them come over and visit whenever they want. So they they end up taking advantage of that a couple of times and go over to see that see her and they find that she's a much nicer person than Count Olaf. And uh, she has this nice huge library which the kids love because of course they they like reading and and um, yeah, J- Justice Strauss seems like a, a nice woman. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have um there is another time though when the kids are given the task to cook. A huge, basically like a feast or dinner for Count Olaf's theatre troupe. Theatre. Theatre troupe. Theatre. Yes. <laughs> and he is, I guess, a world-renowned actor. He's not. He's a very bad actor. I don't know if he's world-renowned, but he 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 acts in this theatre troupe for the, in the city, you know, and he's that's what he does. That's what he likes to do, and what, where he spends most of his time. And so the kids are given the task to cook a dinner. And so they don't, they've never cooked anything before. So they go to Justice Strauss' library to see, like, a cookbook that they can use to make a dinner. And they end up making this really, sounds a very good meal. And then when they go to give it to the troop, um, they kind of just think, where's the roast beef 
and we're like, we didn't make any roast beef. We didn't know that we were supposed to make roast beef. You didn't give us that specific in- instruction. Right. So they wound up making a pasta dish with the sauce. Mm-hmm. And uh, Count Olaf had irrationally expected them to make roast beef. And he's so upset by this. He strikes Klaus. Yeah, slaps him. And uh, really Brilliant. scares scares the children, right? Like, And he picks up Sonny at one point and... Both Violet and Klaus were worried that he was just going to drop Sonny. And, uh, Obviously, he's not a suitable person. Yeah, it really puts their, their safety in, into question here. And after this whole incident occurs, the children think that they need to tell somebody about this. And specifically ta- tell Mr. Poe, like, hey. Because this- he's the person who gave them to, who gave the legal responsibility. Right, but... After they tell him all of this, Mr. Poe says, you know, there's nothing I can do. He's your guardian. And, you know, why do you think Mr. Poe allows the children to continue to stay with Count Olaf after all of these things? I don't know. Honestly, I think he is completely just ignoring what the children have said and don't believe them. And I honestly don't know why. He just doesn't seem like a nice person. He just doesn't seem to believe the children. And I feel adults should pay attention to children more. He seems like someone who is not at all concerned. Like no. he seems like he's 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 got his own problems to deal with and suddenly these three kids were dumped in his lap and he doesn't really want to be responsible for them. So he found somebody, this Count Olaf, to take them off his hands. And when the kids come back and report that you know, Count Olaf. And what was the first thing he said? Oh, I wasn't expecting you. You should have called ahead. Like, well, they, they didn't have a phone. Like, how are they supposed to call you in advance? But uh, he he doesn't, like I said, he doesn't seem concerned. And he just wants them out of his hair. He's responsible for Taking managing... Taking care of their fortune. Managing the fortune. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned that, that the Baudelaire family... Is very wealthy. Very, very wealthy. And Violet is the... Eldest. Eldest heir. And the kids won't get to control any of the the fortune until Violet turns 18. So Mr. Poe is responsible for managing the fortune until Violet turns 18 and she can take over. Right now she's 14. And so it just seems like Mr. Poe is doing the least amount of work that he could possibly do to keep the Baudelaire children kind of out of his hair. And when the children come and they talk about all the horrible things that Count Olaf has done, he uses pretty much what I think is an excuse. He says, well, he's acting in loco parentis. And what what is in loco parentis? In place of a parent. So basically legal guardian. Yeah, he's he's their legal guardian. And, and it's one of those things where uh, sometimes people don't feel like it's their place to step in and tell another parent what they're doing wrong. And sometimes that's true. Like as a parent, I feel like I know what's best for my kid. You happen to be my only child. I feel like I know what's best for you. I don't feel like I need necessarily need anybody to intervene when it comes to your care and your upbringing. So as Count Olaf, as their guardian now, well, just because the kids don't like the way he parents doesn't necessarily mean that they shouldn't stay with him. Well, he's their parent now, so they have to do what he says. What Mr. Poe completely misunderstands is that Count Olaf is basically abusing them and he's only using them to get a step closer to their fortune well he's using them and he's also abusing them 
right? Like he hit Klaus. That's one method of abuse. He, you know, he um, gives them terrible chores, treats them poorly. He physically, he, he verbally abuses them. He like he makes them do a ton of manual labor, right? And he doesn't provide suitable sleeping for them. So all of that, like I said, he's he's basically abusing them. And I think if Mr. Poe were a more kind individual or more caring individual, then he would realize that the kids are not just complaining about um, a strict parent, right? Because there are a ton, like I'm sure you complain about some of the rules and, and stuff that I make you do, but... You don't really make me do manual labor. I don't. That's because I don't think as a child you should have to do that stuff yet, you know? Like, I'm not going to have you go and... I mean, some manual labor is good, like... Um, Wash the dishes, do laundry. But I'm not going to have you out there chopping wood with... (laughs) uh, Axe. I was going to say something less than an axe. That would make it difficult to chop wood, you know? Why? I mean, there's a certain age where, like, kids who grow up, like, say if they grow up in the woods, right? They And they have, or grow up on a farm or something like that, they might chop wood, and that's fine. Like I said, there are certain cases where that's acceptable, but... He's just doing this to give them busy work, basically. And, uh, yeah, he's completely trying to take advantage of the situation because he knows that they're rich and he wants wants that money. What is one of the lines he says? He says, well, if you want a better bed, then buy one, right? And he's like, well, Count Olaf, you know we don't have access to the money. Well, he just says, tough luck then, right? So, um, yeah, Count Olaf is like, as you said, he's, he's, he's a villain. So, um, we've talked about all kind of all these uh, horrific things that he's, he's, put the children through but um what's a bright spot like what's a one bright spot that you think happened in- well i remember in the book while they well this is kind of mixing in with the tv show but i remember in the book they while they were making the pasta puccinesca i believe that was the dish that they made they actually kind of felt a little like home because they were together and it felt very cozy while they were cooking they said so i feel like that was a good spot and they got to connect a little bit more together yeah that, that like you said it, it brought them a small amount of joy just a little ray of sunshine into their otherwise gloomy world right mm-hmm. yeah I, I enjoyed that moment too how about you um i i would have to say I mean, it's all around the around that, but when, you know, the first time they go and, and um, I mean, not the first time, but uh, when they go and, and ask Justice Strauss for help mm-hmm. and she she helps them find cookbooks that might have something in there that they can cook. And then when they do decide on the recipe, she takes them to the store and yeah, that helps them nice. get vegetables and takes them around to get all the things they need. I, I thought that was, but yeah, other than that, there, there aren't very many happy moments. Like Lemony Snicket wasn't lying at the beginning when he said this no. is going to be a sad story, right? Uh, we've talked a, a bit about Judge Strauss. So can you compare? Let's compare and contrast Count Olaf and Justice Strauss. Oh. All right. Just just kind of quickly, like, uh, what are some of the things that they have in common? Let's compare them. Is there anything that they have in common? They live in the same neighborhood. That's true, obviously, on the um, same street. Well, this happens later in the book. Um, They both actually end up being in a play together. Right, so Count Olaf kind of um, orchestrates evil plan to 
steal their fortune and he basically plans on marrying Violet so that way he gets in control of the, in control of the money and in order to do that he basically takes Justice Johnson because he knows that she is a judge and he figures this wedding is legally binding <laughs> if Justice Strauss is present. So they end up being in the same one, but luckily, luckily, that Violet doesn't end up being his wife because it has to be, she had to sign it in her own hand and she's right-handed and she signed it with her left hand. Yeah, so uh, in, in comparing the two, that seems to be something that they share, which is knowledge of the law. Yes. Right, so Count Olaf knew that um, if he knew the requirements, like what it took, what it would take to marry two people, right? He also knew that um, since he's Violet's legal guardian, he could grant Violet permission to get married even though she's a minor. So he tries to, he takes, tries to manipulate all of those things to become Violet's wife and, or Violet's husband and thus would gain access to the fortune. So that, that that's, a couple of things that they have in common, right? They have, what else do they share in common? I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, not much else. I mean, they're pretty, pretty different individuals. Very opposite. Um, so let's uh, to Well, actually, them. they both kind of have white slash grayish hair. Okay. Yeah. So maybe their age is similar. But I mean, other than that. Not much. Yeah, they don't share too much in common. I mean, obviously, one's a man, one's a woman. Start with the obvious. One is nice. One is mean. One lives in a nice home. Another lives in a dark dungeon. One seems to care about children. The other doesn't seem to like them at all. Um, one doesn't abuse children. The other does. So, given all of these things, why don't why do you think Mister Poe doesn't let the Baudelaire's live with the nicer lady? Because he the law. Well, not the law. The, what is that called? The will? Yes. The will said that it had to be someone related. And Justice Strauss isn't related to the Baudelaire children. And Count Olaf is apparently their distant cousin. Yeah, that seems like psychality. I think that's the reason why. I mean, that's that's the excuse he hides behind anyway. Which, I mean, if you if you want to interpret their will precisely then then maybe maybe that's a good enough reason but again he had to have realized that count olaf i mean especially so let's kind of rewind this and talk about the things that you typically have to go through to become somebody's guardian right like you, you have to prove that you you're suitable you're a fit fit guardian that you can provide and support the person or people that you're taking in and typically that's why i'm surprised like you know mr poe he's not he doesn't represent child services or the state or anybody like that, which, okay, so we're getting into some really uh, specific stuff here. And I understand this is a book of fiction. So, but in the real world, like in our world, if, you know, children were to become orphans, they would then go. And uh, even if there were a will, they would, I think they would still have to go through child services in order to find them their guardian mm-hmm. and child services you have a we have a cousin natalie who works you know in child services and she would go visit the house of the person that 
Yeah. Is going to be their guardian. And she would see right away, oh, the kids can't come here. Right? No. Count Olaf's place was a dungeon. No way we can let the kids come here. So they would have found another option. And the fact that Mr. Poe doesn't. I think he's just lazy. Just lazy. And that's a good word. So then the, the other question that we wanted to ask is, uh, you know, we, we've talked about how bad Mr. Uh, Poe is. Not bad, but how, how lazy he seems and how much he doesn't seem, really seem to care about the kids. We talked about how villainous Count Olaf is. Seems like, and, and Justice Strauss, who is nice, but, um, you know, she doesn't really try to help the kids that much either. So do you, th- which of, which of the adults, and there's other adults in the book too that we don't mention, like the, mem- the members of Count Olaf's troop, one of whom puts Sonny in a cage. And yeah. another one who. Mrs. Poe. Mrs. Poe is a very. Oh, and there's, yeah, that's right. There's Mrs. Poe. She's a very, um. Not very caring person because she even says, Oh, the Baudelaire children sad of the parish and the fire. And she basically is just saying, Look, you two children, you made the headline of the newspaper. She doesn't. She's, she's just not very sympathetic. No. Right? Um, so out of all these adults, which, which one do you think was the worst? I kind of feel like all of them are insane. Really? I know, it's weird. Because Count Olaf, at first I was in Count Olaf, but then Mr. Poe was the person who let them stay with Count Olaf, and then Justice Strauss, who knows of their situation, doesn't try to help. So, because of those reasons, I feel like they could be in level, but, you know. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I think Count Olaf is the worst. Yeah. And all of the the people in his troop who are aware of what he's trying to do. like And help him. And they help him, right? But So he's the ringleader. And all those other um, theater members are his followers. And, and they're all bad. And I, I, I agree with you that, that Mr. Poe, he's negligent. And that makes him bad in his own right. And to a degree, Justice Strauss is also a little negligent. Um, you know, Mr. Poe is the one who, who was asked to look after the children. And he does a very, very poor job of it. But I don't think that trumps just how bad Count Olaf is. But, I mean, they're probably, like, Count Olaf is, like, at the top for the worst. Then um, Mr. Poe and then maybe Justice Strauss. Maybe. But I kind of feel like they're a bit, um, kind of, in a way... Justice Strauss, she doesn't try to help them. So, in a way, if she knew of their situation, you would think people would try to help them instead of kind of, I guess, neglecting them. Yeah, the people around, like Justice Strauss, even after they uncover Count Olaf's plan to marry Violet and they prevent it, even after all of that, um, they all just kind of throw up their hands and they're like, well... Our hands are tied. We can't do anything um, other than, you know, I mean, Count, Count Olaf, after he, he's found out, he just runs away. So that kind of, you would expect the kids would then have to go back with Mr. Poe and then he'd have to look for somebody else to watch them, to take them in. But at that point, you would think like, hey, why don't you just, you have a person who's willing, like Justice Strauss is willing yeah, to take them in. But Mr. Poe is like, no, it's not It's not in the will. Like, we can't do it because it's not in the will. Okay, I understand that the will says you need to find a relative. But until then... 
Let allow them, them stay. to stay with, with Justice Strauss. I mean, that seems to be the best option, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, the name of the book, The Bad Beginning, and then the name of the series is a series of unfortunate events. All very appropriate, right? Yes. And uh, you can tell uh, that the this is the first book in a long series of 13 books in the series, and that in each one of them is probably just going to be another unfortunate event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, in this book, there's actually a series. It, there's multiple unfortunate events, so, I mean, like, Oh, first... yeah, in this book, there's many unfortunate events, but, right, yeah. Um, and then in the next book, I'm sure there are probably there multiple is. unfortunate events. There is. I read events. that one. Yeah. Um, Like, two? Yeah. One or two? I haven't read the third one yet, because I'm not allowed to check any more books out at the library. At the school library, because school's almost over. Yeah. But, you know, you, you can go to another library and find it. Yeah, but I don't really have another library card that's all right we'll find you another place to go and check books out over the summer okay okay but uh so what did you think of this book overall i feel like it is a very interesting book i mean i don't really know how to describe it it's a very unusual book and not the type of book that most people read and i mean i don't know how to say if it's a good book because it in a way it is but in a way, it's not because it's a book of sad things. So let me ask you this, though. In in the book, Lemony Snicket often will take a sidebar to dis- to define a word, mm-hmm. right? What did you think of that? Did you like the fact that he would put all these definitions in there? Well, yeah, because some of the words I'm like, what does that mean? So it was helpful for you. It was, but some of them I'm really like, I know what that means. You don't. And sometimes he might, like, put in this definition over and over again. So sometimes it might be a bit annoying. Yeah. So it was helpful and annoying. Kind of kind of the theme of the book, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say I liked it either. I found the writing style to be, you know, it was easy to read, but those definitions to me were distractions. And they seemed like the, the writer Little was... sidebars. I, the first couple of times I thought it was funny. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, it made me, you know, it made me laugh. And I thought it was a, an interesting way to kind of break up paragraphs and things like that. But then the more and more he did it, I did get annoyed also. Um, yeah, I don't know if I, I can't say I like the book. I would say overall, um, it gets a thumbs down for me. For me, it's in the middle just because it was... It was a very interesting writing style, and I liked the type of style that he used. Yeah. Because it's not usual. But, I mean, I can't really say that I liked it either. So, yeah. it's in the middle. Yeah, one thing I'll say that, that Lemony Snicket does do well is uh, create very interesting characters. <laughs> yeah. Like, Count Olaf, you know, as, as villainous as he is, he's an interesting character. There are some mysterious elements about him. Like, what's the deal with those eyes all over his house? And he's got an eye tattoo on his foot or his ankle or something like that. And I know that there's probably a story behind that. So, there, I mean, he's he's a villain, but there's some mystery and intrigue behind him. The kids, the Baudelaire kids are interesting kids. They're very resourceful kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can see getting, uh, not attached, but wanting to learn more about them and figure out more about their story, even though we know their story is going to be tragic. So those, between those, those characters, yeah, he, I think Lemony Snicket does have some interesting compelling characters but the writing style the tragedy of it i still can't give it a thumb would you recommend this book to anybody else though i would because it 
I would recommend it because I want other people to see different types of writing. But, I mean, I don't know if I... Because, like, my friend actually recommended this series for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it was a book. I just knew it was a TV show series. I didn't know it was a movie. I had heard of, like, maybe, like, a book or something. But I didn't know that it was a full series. So, um, I mean, I don't... I probably would, but, like, not recommended to, like, a ton of people. Read this. Read this. Yeah, I think my recommendation would be... Like, it's not, like, my go-to recommendation. Okay. I think my recommendation would be to just go watch this series on Netflix. Yeah. I think that the the book... Well, so, I've watched the first episode of the Netflix series, which covers, like, the first half of this book. Yeah. And so, I think that the... The series is pretty faithful to the material and it doesn't have those annoying sidebars with those definitions of words and stuff. I mean, it does have the narrator um, and it has a a little bit more like it has a song in it. You know, uh, Count Olaf does a a number with his troop, which uh, was entertaining. So I think the book is okay, but the series is very rare for me to say like a, a screen adaptation of a book is better than the book. But I think in this case, it might be, even though I haven't read the whole uh, series nor have i seen seen the whole series i think from what i've read so far and from what i've seen that the netflix series is much more entertaining than the- um i have read the first two books and started the like maybe done like half of the third one or something and it the screen adaptation does do a very good job of it and i do like how they added a few things to it yeah um, but other than that, I feel like they're quite the same. I don't feel like one is better. Okay, that's fair. So we get one uh, kind of like half thumb from Kalia and a thumbs down from me. But still, if you like this sort of thing, go ahead and pick it up on your own. I, I still encourage, don't always take our word for it. No. But it's, so if you want to go check it out, check it out yourself. Everyone has their own opinions. Yeah. So um, we hope you've enjoyed this discussion about The Bad Beginning by Lemony Snicket. We've enjoyed talking about it, even though it, it was definitely a sad story to talk about. Yeah. Um. If you want us to do maybe like a Lemony Snicket series on this podcast, let us know. Yeah, if you have any questions, if you have any recommendations um, or any suggestions, go to our website, fatherdaughterbookclub.com. We love to read them and we love to discuss your favorite books because we might not have heard of them. Yeah, you can always go there and subscribe to the podcast. Check out previous podcast episodes if you haven't listened to them all yet. And you can also see what book we're reading next, which we'll tell you right now. The next book that we're going to read is called The, the Young, Young Elite. Elite Series. We're actually going to be reading the whole series and doing it on. I'm so excited. Yes, this is by Marie Lou. The first book in the series is called The Young Elite, and it's called The Young Elite Series. It's a very... I've heard of the series before, and actually Marie Lou came to my school, and that's how I heard of it. Yeah. And I've actually gotten a recommendation for it, but I've never read it read it before, so I'm excited. Yeah, so we'll, we'll take a look at the series, and we're going to do something different, which is actually discuss every single book in the series. Yes. Uh, not, we won't do it in one episode. You know, we'll no. spread it out, but... Um, Definitely go and get the first book in the series if you don't have it already so that you're prepared to discuss it when we come back for our next episode. 
Yes, and we will see you guys next time. Dum 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 dum.